Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonalls, or Success Publishing International. More willpower than a barefoot woman at a shoe sale. Able to stretch a single paycheck for an entire month. Makes money concepts easier than third grade math. Introducing your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonall. Work all day, stress all night. Take your mind off your money and focus on your life. Money don't matter for the stuff it bought. It's the way you think, not what you've got, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Unlock Your Wealth Radio. I am your purveyor of prosperity, Heather Wagonalls, and this segment is sponsored by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash free book and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We have an amazing show for you for our last of this season, and I would just like to... Um, uh, what do I want to do? Well, you'd like to thank your listeners, I'm sure. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I would like to introduce the man that has helped me to accomplish all of that. That's what I would like to do. Oh, you talking about me? I could be talking about you. Otherwise known as the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. We are going to help you get your money mind right on today's show with as little of uh, brain squirrels as possible. Yeah. yeah, we'll try to keep a limit on those. Now, let me tell you about this week's show. So it is our final show for the season, and it is our 13th key in our keys to riches financial philosophy, as well as we have a moolah word of the day. But let me just talk to you briefly about the financial philosophy in this week's key. So in our final key in our keys to riches financial philosophy, it is become a voracious reader. And this is a critical piece. And I uh, talk about this extensively in this week's key show. So for those of you who uh, have listened, but are just returning, it's been a while. The Keys to Riches Financial Philosophy has become its very own radio show, syndicated also, I might add. And it is available on this channel or at keystoriches.com. And if you want all the tools and resources for the keys, you have to visit that website at keystoriches.com. And, uh, but this week's key is, is a critical piece of the puzzle. And it's a task that you'll be assigned that you never fully accomplish. And that's because learning is ongoing. And the best way to do that is by reading. And we're going to talk about how profound reading is and what it actually does for you on a biological level and what it does for you financially by being able to read. So visit our website at keystoriches.com for all of the resources that accompany the show, or you could just listen wherever you listen and get this week's key, which is, um, uh, become a voracious reader. Yeah, so we're going to horse around and have a good time, but Get we're not going to horse around and have a good time because we've got an important topic to talk about. Reading. Oh, we already talked about oh, that. Oh, I'm already oh, done with that while oh, you were busy. Right. 
researching. That's right. That's right. So I was busy discussing this week's key. We also have Moolah Word of the Day, um, which is pr- pretty funny, but pretty good because um, it has to do with investing. Uh, but we also have on today's show, we got to talk about... Um, uh, I've been giving you tools lately on what you need to know, like in depth, because, you know, we have remember real estate is a key, but we haven't really talked about, we talk about what it takes to become a real estate owner or investor, <clears throat> but we haven't talked about marketplaces and we've been hearing a lot in the news and I've been interviewed across America over, you know, the last few weeks extensively about what happened in January with home sales you know, hitting a peak after a decade of languishing, you know, we actually had a peak, but, you know, just a few days later, you know, I just started, uh, the last time I was interviewed on it, we actually had our February numbers, um, which was a couple of days ago. Uh, the February numbers came out and those numbers retreated. And so I had a really great interview that they actually, it was a 10 minute interview, but they kept me on for the whole hour. And as I was doing it, I thought, you know what? People need to know this because I remember when people would call into my show when I was here on just a local radio station in Arizona. I was on KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. And, uh, I was asked, somebody called in about the the real estate market and the real estate bubble, and they were wondering when the bubble was going to pop. And I actually said, that's not what you have to watch out for. You have to watch out for something that's going to be more massive and more devastating than the the real estate bubble, and it's going to be the mortgage bubble. And so... Everybody thought like I was a heretic because real estate was going up, mortgages were easy money, and nobody would listen to me. You know, like they said I was chicken little. I was accused of being chicken little. The the real estate investors that trusted me, the mortgage investors that I had that trusted me, listened to my advice based on what I was seeing going on in the marketplace. They liquidated their positions and they got into a holding pattern to be able to devour the remnants of, of the fallout. And that's exactly what happened. And at the basic timing, I said it would happen. So I want to talk about how I made that prediction because it will allow you to be able to forecast the environment. And I'm also going to tell you how you are, even if you've never bought or sold real estate personally for yourself, if you've just always been a renter since you've been out on your own, or if you've never been a real estate professional, I'm going to tell you how you are already, you are already an area expert. Did you know that you're an area expert in real estate, Michael? No, I didn't. Yeah, you already are. And 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 have you even considered real estate as a career? I have not. Yeah, see, but you're an area expert and I'm going to tell you how and why okay. that is and how that can play into as you forecast the markets whether or not it's the right time for you to buy uh, or sell. What, what like to determine what you need to be doing uh-huh. when it comes to real estate, I should say. Uh, so let's talk about this moolah word of the day first, shall we? Cuz I haven't gotten around to that. Bring it on. So this has to do with innocence and coming of age. Yep. And what does that have to do with money? Well, it, it could have a lot to do with money. Well, this is funny. Yeah. This uh, this uh, this uh, is 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 uh, I, I just thought it was like when I was going through, I picked randomly because I didn't like the word of the day because I didn't think it was relevant to us in any way. So I just picked the letter C and I started scrolling through. And uh, I liked the first moolah word that I thought I came up with, but it was kind of short and sweet. It was about the macaroni defense. Um, oh, but you came up with a better one. That's right. I found a better one. Yeah. 
you know, and so I, since I threw that bone out there, I will give you two moolah words of the day since it's the end of the radio show season. And the macaroni defense is actually an approach taken by a company that doesn't want to be taken over. So what happens is the company will issue a large number of bonds with the condition that they must be redeemed at a higher price if the company is taken over. So it's a clever strategy. Breaking it down, it's called the macaroni defense because if a company is in danger, the redemption price of the bonds expands like macaroni in a pot. I thought that was cool. But here's one that I think that it's better. I think it's like that was good, right? Very good. But this one's better. And so this is chastity bond. So that's why I'm like coming of age, that whole losing our innocence and stuff. A bond that matures immediately upon the completion of a trigger event, such as a takeover or a change in control of the issuer. A chastity bond is one of a number of measures, many of which have equally colorful names, that are designed to prevent the hostile takeover of a company. The term is probably derived from the fact that it is object that its objective is to prevent unwarranted attention from unwelcome corporate suitors. And they're just, you know, like corporate raiders that they just buy yeah. and sell companies and they just buy them up and merge them all together for no reason other than they just that there's something right about the company that they want. Or they're trying to thwart activity from this company because there maybe there's a competitor that that they're supporting or invested mm-hmm. in. So this anti-takeover measure is conceptually similar to the other strategy, the macaroni defense, in which a large issue of bonds must be redeemed upon takeover or change of control by thereby expanding like macaroni the purchase price that the acquirer must pay. The difference is that chastity bonds mature at par, whereas bonds issued in a macaroni defense are redeemable at a substantial premium. So that means that they're sold below par. So if par is 100, you'll buy a chastity bond at 95, 90, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So mm-hmm. there's money to be made. There's wiggle room. Yeah. But with a macaroni bond, you buy it at 100, but it has to be redeemed at, say, 110 or 120, not including any interest coupons mm-hmm. or whatever. So that's kind of the difference. So that's a pretty good, those were pretty good terms yeah, for like a fun little Friday. A little humor in. Yes. Humor and education at the same time. Yeah. Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> okay. So let's talk, shall we, about real estate markets. So let's talk about why you're an area expert first. I think we'll address that first. The area expert meaning what? Um, in real estate. So you're a real estate area expert. And, and I want to address that first before we address how do you predict a market? Because I want to illustrate how you already know this. So I'm not just giving you information. I'm, I'm helping you create knowledge, which is actual learning, uh-huh. you know, because you can get a brochure with information on a company and you can read it and you've read information. But until you process it or apply it, it's not really knowledge because learning, you know, imparts knowledge. That's the practical application Mm -hmm. of information. So, so I want to kind of take you beyond that. So I thought it's probably prudent if we discuss what, why being an area expert is critical um, to your ability to predict what's going on in the marketplace. 
This segment of Unlock Your Wealth Radio is sponsored by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. So you can put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for Unlock Your Wealth Radio listeners just by visiting our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com forward slash keep my ID and click on the link to start protecting your financial future right now. Remember to use promo code WAGS. So let's talk about why you're an area expert. So whether you own real estate or not, whether you sell real estate as a profession or not, you are still an area expert. And this might seem simple, but it's true. Where you live is your area of expertise if you've been there for any period of time. So, Miguel, if you were going to go shopping, what is the closest grocery store to you? Safeway. What is the next closest? Fries. What is the next closest? I think there's one closer than Fries. Actually, Sprouts. Yeah. There you go. That's my grocery store. Uh, so um, if uh, if you want, well, you wouldn't. That was not a good question to ask you about manicures. <laughs> Definitely not. Because I was going to say, where's the nearest spa where you would go get a manicure? <laughs> uh, where do you get your haircut? I get my haircut at the uh, the Russian barber shop, which is very close. Because I'm into closeness. I'm into like not. I'm walking if I can. There you go. Riding my bike would be next. There you go. So what kind of people do you see in your neighborhood when you're out walking to the barber? What kind of people? Yeah, are they young? Are they old? Are they mostly active? Young. Mostly young. I would say it's a fairly young neighborhood. Do you see a lot of people that, that, that traditionally walk or ride their bike? Yeah. Or is it all cars? Well, I mean, it's a city. We live in, a, in an urban area, so there's a lot of cars. But, I mean, there's a lot of people that walk and, and ride their bike in in uh, Scottsdale. And are there a lot of uh, retail outlets, restaurants, and stuff like that that are close by that you can walk to? Sure. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I like this neighborhood. There you go. So I'm an area specialist. There you go. If you went into real estate today, you could be an area expert. Yeah. I you could sell the daylights saying. out of this complex you live in. Yeah. You know, and you'd be able to sell the daylights out of every other complex around you. Yeah. Because you are an area expert. I got you know you. where to go. You know, like if you want Italian food, where are you going? I got, I can walk to three places. There you go. Pasta Brioni is my favorite. And Franco's is number two. There you go. And, if you want a little high-end pasta, there you go. You got uh, Rosati's if you want to watch a ball game. Yeah. You get some good pizza. Rosati's yeah. pizza so, is pretty yeah, good. Three, three places right off the top of our head. There you go. So who knows, you know, like... When it comes to real estate, you know what there is to do. You know that if new businesses are opening, if it's a burgeoning community, are there people moving here all the time? Obviously, there's a lot of real estate activity going on. There's yeah. a lot of new builds when you get in your car and you yeah. start driving, you know, so it's vibrant. So oh, if yeah. somebody says, I want to move to a vibrant, hip place with a lot of young people and a lot of places close by, Scottsdale, where are you going to tell them to go? Old Town Scottsdale. There baby. you go. So now you're an area expert. So if this whole thing with music and stuff doesn't work out for you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you could easily get your real estate license. I'd be, I'd be happy to hire you and I'd let you hang your license at my brokerage. And you could be my South Scottsdale area expert. There you go. 
So when you think you don't know anything about real estate investing, understanding your marketplace is part of it. So that's why I went through this little exercise with you. Just to to illustrate that, yes, you know what's going on. And so since you do know that crap is happening here, that would probably tell you two things. One, if it's not overbuilt, which you're seeing new builds, Mm -hmm. so it's not overbuilt. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of new stuff coming up. So there's inventory coming on the market. So th- so we're not built out. So you're not, or, or what they call landlocked. You still have got room for growth. I see that they're starting to knock down this apartment complex over here on Camelback. And they're starting to rebuild the units. Did oh, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're just, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, so even existing properties here. are doing facelifts or yeah. full scrape and rebuilds. Yeah. Okay, so there's activity in the marketplace. So that means that this is an area that values could be going up. Potentially, because it, like in in the case of this place that's that's scraping and going vertical a second time, there's going to be a shortage of rental inventory. Yeah. So, so you might have a handle on what direction rental rates are going. So, if somebody wanted to invest, or if you wanted to invest, wouldn't it be great where there would be upward potential for rental income? This would be a good place for that because there's a shortage of inventory. And what do we know when there's a shortage? Rates go up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so so that's key, you know, um, uh, to finding out what's going on in the marketplace as opposed to a place that maybe, say, is on another side of town where it's languishing. You know, people aren't taking care of their homes. Businesses are moving out of the area. You're seeing yeah. vacancies all over the place. In strip malls, there's 10 units and two vendors. Right. You know, it may be a target for redevelopment or it just may be, you big, know, big gamble, holding on by life support. Right. Because if the other factors... You know, like right now, if there was like, so for example, on the corner, that used to be a gas station, but then it was, it's been vacant for like 15, 20 years. Now, all of a sudden Circle K must have negotiated to buy that dirt because now they're expanding the gas pumps again. But for 15 years, there has been no gas in this area, which has been a problem for folks, but it became an opportunity for them because we saw that there's a need for that. There's only one other gas station and it's on Osborne. Oh, there's one over on Indian school in Hayden, but you know, that to get, but there, that's, that's far away. Yeah. That's no, far is, away. This is great. We're hope we're hoping that the gas isn't going to be too expensive. Right. And, and there used to be gas on the corner, but now it's American apparel. Yeah. You know, oh, really that was a gas station too. Oh yeah. yeah so it's very difficult Where PF Chang's is. That used to be one of the coolest nightclubs in the late 80s, early 90s. Really? Down, 10 Downey Street, yeah. Huh. Yeah, Neat. for all of the Arizona peeps. Neat. So so as we look at this, so now we, we've got our area. So we know what direction this is going in. So we know whether or not we should be buying or selling. Because these are all indicators. But how do we look at a global perspective of what's going on? And I'm seeing signs of what happened in 2005 and 2007 happening again. So oh, shortage good. of inventory happened in 05. Mm-hmm. Extra money from 1031 exchanges being dumped from California, which was overpriced at the time, overvalued our market. $100,000 properties that weren't worth a nickel over 100,000 were still selling for 150 because that same property in California would have been 300, so in their mind it was half price. So prices are all relative. You know, when it comes to that, but there's some indicators that people must be aware of. And so one of those is price to income ratio. 
All right. And so when the average price of a home gets out of whack of median income, median home price and median income, you got a problem. So for an example of that, um, like the sweet spot is about two and a half, two and a quarter. So, which means it, if your annual income is $50,000, the average home price or the ideal median home price for affordability should be about at a hundred thousand to maybe a hundred and twenty five thousand. Okay, so it's twice. Twice with your. Income that's the relationship. Is. Okay. When the take, market popped. Take, take home or gross. Gross. When the market popped. All right. Yeah. Where were we? Do you know? Jeez, I don't know at all. That ratio was at four point one. So if median home price. Uh, was four times median income and median income was 50 grand. We're talking the prices were like 200,000, 220,000. Wow. So no wonder these guys had to get those adjustable rate mortgages. Exactly, because of affordability. Yeah. Because of, of mortgage qualifying. Now, but what happened when rates were at nine and a half percent, people were qualified to buy when a smoking deal is nine and a half percent on a good loan. All right. And this was at the turn of the century before 9-11, when free or discounted money became readily available and a smoking deal went in half to four and a half percent. More people could buy because affordability uh, um, and qualifying was there. But home prices crept higher. They got to this four point one number. Hmm. All right. And once they got to this four point one number. Qualifying with a fixed rate loan, which is the safest kind of mortgage that you can get because your payment is steady sure. over the next 30 years. All of a sudden, all of these crazy loans that weren't meant for salaried employees. If you make 15 bucks an hour at Home Depot, that's what you make. And just because your income on a particular adjustable rate mortgage that was at 2% allowed you to afford for the moment... A $600,000 condo with a $200 a month homeowners association fee doesn't mean that you truly can afford that. Because the interest rates could go up over time. They did go up. Yeah. And I was able to predict with accuracy because of the types of loans that were be written, being written. There's no skin in the game. So people were going zero down. And people that were salaried employees were being qualified qualified on these adjustable rate mortgages that were never meant for them. They were meant for business owners yeah. and commissioned employees who could go out and make more money if their mortgage rate went up. And what happened on the first adjustment, some of these mortgage rates went to their max cap. These were heinous loans that should have never been done. And people were so desperate to be the Joneses, forget about keeping up with the Joneses. They wanted to be the Joneses yeah. that they, they reached for that. Okay. So, uh, so in their pursuit of being the Joneses, they signed anything. And when their mortgage rate was two and a half percent, they could afford to live there. But they had their first time adjustment that went to a lifetime cap. And when their mortgage rate went from two plus their margin and, and went to seven or eight percent, boom, done. Yeah. Instant default. Yeah. So you need to look at median home price to median income and you need to look at mortgage default rates. OK, so take a guess where we are today. I'm afraid to ask. 
4.1 is when the market popped. Guess where we are today? 3.8. And thanks for playing. Closer than you think. 3.9. Four. Four. We're at four. So we're one tenth of a point away from unsustainable home ownership. All those loans that went away before have crept back into the industry. You got a Charlie horse. You're so stressed out about it. So all those mortgages that got people in trouble to begin with are now creeping back in, especially because mortgage rates are on the rise and everybody wants to be the Jones. Forget about keeping up with the Joneses. They want to be the Joneses. Okay. What's lagging, but not by much, is the one you need to watch, mortgage default rates. They are on the rise. Yeah, I bet. I know some people that just bought a nice house that's way over their head, and I'm, I'm a little concerned. And you should be. Yeah. Because if they bought with an adjustable rate mortgage, that first rate adjustment can't, depending on the languaging. And that's why it's important to have advocates, not just Which a loan originator. They didn't have advocates. I'm sure. They I'm sure. Know, they don't know what they're doing. Because I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And and so, like, you know, especially young people that get headstrong and they think they know everything. And I was one of those people because I sure, at 18, I knew we, everything. We all are. We all are. But here we, we are approaching my 48th birthday, 30 yeah. years later, and I'm finding out that I don't know nothing. <laughs> well, and I, mean, I do know. Know quite a bit, but yeah. I still know nothing. Um, so, but when you have that know-it-all, I can do this kind of thing. You don't even know what it's. It's like key four: knowledge is power. Not knowing is powerful. It's what you don't know that you that should know hurt that yeah. hurts you. Yeah, not can hurt you. That will hurt you. Yeah. And so, depending on how people have managed their lives, they run the risk of repeating the same behaviors. Because what do we know about biology-based money management? Is we do what we've always done. We don't do what we know. Because just because we know what to do doesn't mean we do what we know. We do what we have rehearsed. Yeah. What feels good. What feels good or doesn't feel bad. Yeah. Because remember, we're seeking pain, we're seeking pleasure and avoiding pain, and and the absence of pain can be pleasurable. We don't necessarily need pleasure; we just need the absence of pain, right. based on the way we're biologically set up. So, right. so, so we have to be careful. But that's how you can be an industry expert. You need to track inventory levels in relation to what's normal. You're all because since you're already an area expert, you already know what's going on in your marketplace. You need to track certain things. You need to track uh, closings, uh, existing home sales. You need to track housing starts, which those are kind of a lag. They're not, you know, because builders are once bitten, twice shy. Um, But but you need to track uh, home sales and inventory levels Hmm. in relationship to are they where they should be? Are they above normal? Do we have a glut of properties that can't be sold? But if you're in an upwardly mobile market... Likely you're going to have an, you're either be at, at homeostasis or you're going to be at an inventory shortage. That means prices are going to go up. Are they going to go up artificially? That's the question. So it's about buying and negotiating properly, understanding where values are and where they should be. Because knowing where they should be will tell you how to buy the property. Because you can buy property in a rising market and still make good because your money is not made on the sell. Your money is made on the buy. Always. Because you can't control the market. You can predict to the market. You can forecast it, but you can't control it. But but you don't want to control market forces. You just want to control your own 
responses to what's going on in the market. And, and, and so, you know, my thought is when a market bounces, it's not a bad time and it's not necessarily time to sell. It might be a time to average down and buy more. Think of it as a discount sale. But just because prices are going up, think about going into a store that's a high-end boutique and you see something that's expensive, but let's say there's a loose button. Now you've got negotiating power. Look, who else yeah. is going to buy this with a loose button? Yeah. You know, but if you sell it to me for 10 percent off, I'll take it off your hands. Cause like, Hey, I know how to sew. I grew up sewing clothes. So when I go look for something new, I look for something that has a slight flaw, but really? I can fix it. Uh-huh. And then I always ask for the cool chick discount, or I always ask for something. I, I, I always ask for, Hey, you know, what are you willing to take off of this garment? If I take this off your hands, cause it's not perfect. And the person that, you know, just, uh, has a silver spoon and unlimited wealth and could care less, um, about, uh, looking for a deal, they'll just keep, they'll go past it. Oh, that one's got a loose button. Let me get one. That's totally perfect. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even in a rising market or an expensive market, there's still deals to be had. Yeah. Willing buyer, willing seller negotiating freely in an open market doesn't dictate value. It just dictates the price. Yeah. And price doesn't always drive value. And so you can undervalue and score a property in a rising market. It's very simple. You just got to find the right seller. Mm -hmm. So if you can keep your emotions disengaged and not feel the sense of urgency of a lack of inventory and rising prices, I better hurry up. Prices are going up. I need to lock in now. Yeah. Not necessarily. You know, there's a lot of chicken little going on out there. So you got to be careful of that. So if you want more great resources, listen to past interviews with all kinds of financial gurus and learn more about the keys to riches, please visit our website at unlockyourwealthradio.com. And for the keys to riches and for Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of moolah, Michael Terry, I'm Heather Wagonall. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. Unlockyourwealthradio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2017 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.